My name is Kira Ginger, and your host of the Biteable Podcast, Know Better, Live Best. Today's guest is Joe Lample. Joe is the creator, host, and executive producer of the Emmy Award-winning national PBS series, Growing a Greener World, and founder of JoeGardner.com. He is also the previous host of Fresh from the Garden on DIY Network, as well as an on-air contributor to the Today Show, Good Morning America, and the Weather Channel. Listen as we discuss Joe's story, gardening, and the importance of knowing where your food comes from. Know Better Live Best is dedicated to supporting food and health literacy in people of all ages. Our mission is to cut through the misinformation surrounding food, health, and nutrition because we believe that when people know better, they can make the right choices and live their best lives. We are presented by Biteable Foods. They use blockchain and Internet of Things technology to build traceable, transparent food systems because it shouldn't take an investigative journalist to find out where food comes from. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Joe Lampel. I've been pretty excited about this. I was just, Joe, I was just telling you that um, I watched you years and years ago with my husband as newlyweds. I mean, that's how we spent like our, you know, honeymoon and everything else. Well, there are some exciting times. <laughs> He's trying to get me into gardening and clearly he became the gardener. But anyways, welcome and thanks for coming on our podcast tonight. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Well, why don't you want to introduce yourself? Because we watched you on Growing a Greener World. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you've done a lot. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Life, kind of a lifetime gardener. I think it goes back to age eight. So that, to me, that's pretty much your lifetime. Yes. Grew up in Miami, fell into gardening accidentally, broke a branch off of a parent's shrub, didn't want to get in trouble. So I stuck it back in the ground, covered my tracks by burying the broken branch with soil. And lo and behold, I stumbled upon that another 10 weeks or so later, and it it had started to sprout uh, new leaves out of the branch. And I just looked at that and I thought, what is going on here? And it really sparked my interest. It was was when I truly can say I defined that moment as being hooked on horticulture and affected the rest of my life. So I went on to... um, to learn as much as I could. I propagated, you know, I didn't even know what propagation was at the time, but man, if that thing started growing, I was going to grow more things like that. And every time I did something like that, I learned something new. And every time I learned something new, I wanted to learn more. So I had this insatiable appetite for learning about gardening and horticulture, which, you know, took me to college and, and I got a degree in that in business. Thanks to my mother who said, Hey, that's great if you want a horticulture degree, but Maybe you should get a business degree too, because you'll have more options. By the way, Carrie, my mother was a high school teacher for 20, 30 years. So really? Yeah. So anyway, I took her advice because she's very smart. And so coming out of college, there were more opportunities for a business degree than a horticulture degree. But I had the business skills because I knew my my in my DNA was horticulture and gardening and growing. That's what I really wanted to do. But I had business skills that allowed me once I got uh, an opportunity to do horticulture where I could make a real living at it, which was when I was picked to host uh, the show DIY Networks Fresh from the Garden. So that's going back to 2003. And so suddenly I was this, I went from a business professional life to a full and, and horticulture to full time gardening communicator through tele, national television on DIY Network as the host of that show. And that lasted three years, and it would have lasted longer if we could have kept the show going with new content and not repeating anything. Like every show was about how to grow something. So one show would be how to grow <clears throat> how to grow tomatoes. The next show would be how to grow beans, and then how to grow watermelon. And so every show was like that. So fifty-two episodes on how to grow one thing. So when you get through fifty-two one things, you're kind of out of one things to feature. So the show retired, and then I was picked up to host another show on PBS for three years. And then I decided, you know, that's all well and good, but nobody's really addressing gardening to a younger audience and doing it in an environmentally responsible way um, where we can lighten our environmental footprint. We don't need to use pesticides and herbicides and all these chemicals to have success in our garden. In fact, in a lot of ways, those were making our gardens less successful, but our mindset was that, you know, what can I spray on this or how can I kill that? Or, you know, how can I make that grow faster? But so many people weren't putting the fact that mother nature has so much of that figured out and nobody was really helping to educate people that there's a kinder, gentler way that's every bit as effective, if not more so. So I took a year off and I created growing a greener world, um, to inspire people to garden in a way that was, um, 
maybe not so gardening because I was reaching, trying to reach a younger audience who probably wasn't flipping through looking for gardening shows. In fact, they probably didn't have parents that taught them to garden or anything. But I have a belief that everybody has this innate connection to the soil. They just may not know it yet. So how do you get them there? Well, however you can. So with Growing a Greener World, every episode is definitely about organic gardening. But we had a great cooking segment, like with Chef Nathan Lyon as our, as our chef all for three years. And um, different, different ways so that if somebody was flipping through the channels and happened to come across Growing a Greener World, they might just stop long enough to go, that's a cool show. What's that about? And then they find out that there's some gardening in it. And next thing you know, they're curious. And next thing you know, they're gardening. And you know what? It actually worked because in that first year, the show did so well. <clears throat> we just had great ratings and lots of stations picked us up. And before you knew it, we were on in about 95% of the country in many stations. And um, it, was, it was great. So here we are in our 10th year. So I stay really busy with that show. But now that's just part of my life because I have all those other aspects too, like the podcast and the mm-hmm. courses and all of that. So that's a long answer. Sorry about that. No, I love that answer actually, because when you're talking about reaching a younger crowd, mm-hmm. I mean, as a newlywed, yeah, I was that younger crowd at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And we would sit on the couch and watch it. Now my husband the one is the one who turned it on first and he's like, Hey, watch this with me. I sit down and kind of like, okay, cool. And then I did get into it. Yay. <laughs> he, he grew up on a farm. So obviously it's, you know, something that was always interesting to, or interesting for him. But, you know, we live like right in the city, not a large backyard. Well, we had a backyard, but nothing large, but you don't need that as I found out. No, right. We were totally into it and he loved it. And then composting came from that. <laughs> he, he would like make his own compost bins. Yeah. You got to make your own compost. Catching the water, right? You know, the rain um, to water. It. And it was just, it was great. And it, it really came from growing a greener world. So you nailed it definitely with us because love it. We, we were listening. I love the feedback. See, you know, that's the thing about television though. You don't always get that feedback because it's so one dimensional. I'm talking mm-hmm. to this round glass lens. And by the time somebody watches the show, I may get an email or, you know, a lot of times do, but hearing this kind of thing is rare, you know, where you have that real interaction and, uh, Thank you. It's good to know that. Oh, absolutely. Loved it. So we just moved in. We, um, this will be our first spring at this home. So figuring out where that garden's going to go here. And it's, it's kind of exciting because I have three children, um, and my youngest one's still pretty little, but the boys, they love it. They'll go out there and say, can I pick the zucchini jet, mom? Are they (laughs) nice? nice. Well, yeah, they better because the next day it's going to be bigger than they are. Um, we found that out very quickly. <laughs> like, how many things can we make with zucchini? <laughs> and I said that's my mom. I'm like, mom, what do you got? Like, cause she's better in the kitchen than I am. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm still working on right. it. I have, I have four brothers. She would whip out a meal in like five months. But <laughs> that's what she, <laughs> yeah. um, but I want to go back a little bit. I love your story about how really you became interested in gardening, um, or just nature in general. I just yeah. think back to like, you said you were eight. Is that? Yeah. Um, yeah, that feeling you had probably when you broke that shrub. Yeah, I was it was I was terrified actually, <laughs> and um, I ran up to the five and ten cent store and captured a picture of the hor- horrified look on my face just in case that was my last day on earth because uh, you know I wanted people to know. But uh, then I also have a happy picture from the ten weeks after that when I realized everything was good. So it all balanced out. Yeah. Did your parents ever find out what you did? Never found out, and even if they had, there never nothing would have happened. I call my dad the weekend warrior. He was not a gardener. I didn't grow up in it with any gardeners in my family that I know of, but he was the guy on the weekends who spent the time cutting the grass and edging the driveway and trimming the shrubs. And I was the youngest of four boys. And, and so they were all off doing other things. So I had nothing to do but follow him around. And I loved it. And maybe that's vicariously how I picked up some of those anal retentive skills I have or habits about wanting everything to look nice and neat. But um, I took it to a much for deeper level than he ever did. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you broke that shrub because look where you are today. And uh, <laughs> that's where my True. husband started his love with organic gardening is what it is. And I, I followed years later onto uh-huh. that path, but again, watching him and I'm on that path now too, but you know, we, we've learned a lot from you. So, you know, I'm Good. glad that shrub broke into pieces. And- Me too. <laughs> Me too. And all is well. Absolutely. So, and you did touch on this. So the mission of growing a greener world, Mm -hmm. obviously you want to catch the young audiences that may not have had that background with their parents or, you know, they're busy and maybe they weren't able to garden. Um, Where has that grown today and what's your hope? 
Well, my hope is to continue to inspire people. It's to continue to convert people to gardening or to lighten their environmental footprint. But I believe that gardening is a great vehicle for that because gardeners in general, typically, you know, the, the industry is so full of products and chemicals and things that fix a garden problem. But, you know, what they say is a problem probably isn't even a problem or there's a, there's a, a more eco-friendly way to fix it. And, and as I said earlier, Carrie, no one was really, I mean, there are people out there telling that message, but when you have a national television platform to do it, and then you have, you know, social media and websites and podcasts, and you can combine all of those resources to really build your audience and help educate people. So to answer your question, my goal is to reach those people wherever they are, whether it's on television or whether it's audio with podcasts or if it's social media, or they're just reading a blog post. I want to be there because I want to help them see a pathway to think more responsibly about the environment and learn about gardening and the process because it's all related. I mean, even if they're into food, you know this as well as anybody, we want to take more control over that food we eat these days now more than ever. And the best way to do that is to grow it yourself or to connect with a local farmer or whatever. So I'm trying to connect a lot of dots here, but I'm also trying to empower people to grow themselves because we have so much space either in our own yards or in a community garden or in our neighborhoods that we could be growing food and we could solve this food crisis that we've got. We could cut down on the food miles that we're dealing with. We could eliminate all the chemicals that are being manufactured and the resources being wasted to do it. I mean, there are just so many things, so, I guess. So I have, I need to answer a question. <laughs> I just want to inspire people through stories. So I want to, growing a greener world is really, I kind of say it's like we travel the country to tell the stories of people and places and organizations doing really good th things through organic gardening or environmental stewardship to lighten the footprint. And so whatever nugget somebody can get from one of our shows, that's what I want. And then they can do with it what they want. And hopefully they become hooked. What I really hope is that they become hooked to want to come back and watch another episode and another episode because our episodes are there are not many that are the same or very similar. I mean, I always try to mix it up and everyone is a lot different than the one they just saw, hopefully. And that to me just keeps it interesting. And so, you know, we're a hundred, we're 10 years in over 200 episodes now. And it's like, gosh, what do we do next? And yet those stories, we tend to find them or they find us or people tell us about something and we're still out there finding great new stories. In fact, some of our best stories have been in the last two years. So. I'm pretty optimistic about our future. Oh, I love that mission. I hope everyone does check out Growing a Greener World because I think it's even made changes in our family that I hadn't even thought of. Wow. Even just, like you said, I'm getting the kids out in the garden. It's mm -hmm. more family time. Yeah. And it's great memories for them. It's family bonding and it's instilling in them something that, you know, you're exposing them to at an early age and just becomes part of who they are and what they're about. They don't, I mean, it's just, they don't even think twice about it. That's what they do. And, and um, you know, the younger you catch them doing that, I think the better off it, you know, people come to gardening at all stages of life. Mm -hmm. My kids are, you know, late teens, 20 or 21. And they're just now one of them and the other not is just now kind of getting into it. So you never know when the bug's going to bite. But for you, I'm so happy that you're, you're getting your kids out there right now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it seems overwhelming. I'm not sure if that's how your children feel like you feel like there's so much to do with it, that it almost seems overwhelming, but I don't feel like my husband feels that way or he ignores it and does it anyway. So I'm glad he's like a doer when it comes to that. Yeah. You he's gotta have a doer doing it. I'm like, Oh, this isn't so bad. I thought it seemed like such a bigger project or the lack of knowing what to do. So sometimes you just sit on it and you're like, well, how, how do I start this? What do I do? Paralysis by, by analysis. Yeah. That's, that's me. I'm, I'm still, I'm guilty of that a lot too, though. Oh, absolutely. So yes, I agree. I love that mission. So everyone check out growing a greener world. I think it's amazing. Um, and so we, we've talked about your, that you have a website and a podcast and you, well, a couple different Facebook groups, but one Facebook group, I believe you go live on. Yeah. Quite. Yeah. Well, uh, the, so the Joe Gardner Facebook group. Yes. Um, it's, uh, you know, over 20,000 people. And it's just because people are, people want a group where they can 
bond with fellow gardeners that, you know, have that they're kind and that they take an approach where they're not there to talk politics or religion or controversial subjects. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. And I'm all about a good debate, but I want them to feel like they've got a safe place in the group to talk gardening and let's just keep it on target and on topic. And so it's just grown so fast. And, um, one way that I felt like I can really get in there and have an impact is to do like Facebook lives. And I, you know, I do. I mean, I was just trying to think, how do I say this? Social media, it's an important part of my business, but you know, I'm not one to really want to post every day, but I believe it's a valuable tool. And as I said earlier, you know, you want to reach people wherever you can find them. And a lot of them think that Facebook is great and it is. So that Facebook live feature. So on Saturday mornings during the growing season, which I'll get ready to start up pretty soon on 9am, I just bring my phone out, go Facebook live, let people know 48 hours in advance, ask them to submit questions. And I'm in my garden on Saturday mornings, answering questions for about 20, 30 minutes, whatever comes in, I answer them all. And then I walk them around the garden and tour the garden and show them what's going on and maybe hopefully provide some good tips for the day and, you know, things that some good takeaways that they can have from that. Such a powerful tool. And um, I enjoy it. And I think, you know, when it's all said and done, a lot of people have ended up watching it and have learned something and that we've engaged that way. So, um, yeah, video is a very powerful tool and social media makes it easy. I like that you're in your garden because I, I picture going into other teachers' classrooms. No matter how many times I go into someone else's classroom, I pick up something new that yeah, you're not you do. doing. And they're different ideas. So it's like going into a garden. It's like, oh, I didn't think to grow that. Or, oh, that's interesting. Mine, you know, whatever is failing. Tomatoes or whatever you're growing. And you can see something that you're doing well. Because sometimes yeah. you just want to see someone else do it. They, well, yes. And then, and then I'm always talking about what to do. But when they can see me in my garden doing it and I walk my talk. I mean, I'm a terrible actor, so I'm only good at what I really do. And I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good gardener. So, you know, I show them around, but the, you know, the thing about, cause we film in my garden a lot for growing a greener world too. So there's a lot of pressure all the time to have it TV ready. And look, I mean, I'm not in charge. Mother nature is definitely in charge of what happens in my garden. So I'm just gardening is the greatest neutralizer I don't care how rich you are or how smart you are in the garden. It just brings us all together. You know, it puts us all at that same point, including me is with my skills in gardening. I still have the same challenges everybody else does, but we all learn from each other and I'm learning from people every day. You know, I'm fond of saying no matter how much you know about gardening, there's always more to learn. And I fully believe that. And I, I'll learn from somebody that's brand new because they just may stumble into something and find a way, which is what I love so much about encouraging people to experiment and just try it. And maybe one of the best things that can happen is you fail at it or you create an opportunity. You know, there are failures, but I like to call them opportunities because mm -hmm. every time something doesn't go the way you want it to go, that's just an opportunity to learn why it didn't work that way and what you can do to achieve the desired outcome. And so with new gardeners, I mean, they're creating a lot of opportunities for that. Sorry about that. Um, and, uh, and so I'm learning from them too. So anyway, um, yeah, it's good like that. Well, I'm such a visual learner. So I love things like Facebook lives or, um, even your how to videos, um, on joegardner.com. Um, and we, I was talking to my husband when he had made his first compost bin, um, like I said, he's a doer and he's going to go in this compost and we're going to have like the best soil for our garden and right. else. And it did work out well, but it, it could have gone better, but that's like learning from, I don't know if it was really a mistake. It didn't fail. I just think it could have been sim more simplified as well. So you learn to make it simpler and you yeah. know, everything is an opportunity to learn to do it a different way, a better way, mm -hmm. another way. But, um, this is the thing that for me, as long as I've been doing it, I'm more excited today than I was yesterday. And I'll be more excited tomorrow than I am today because it's always challenging me. It's no two days are ever the same. And that thing about you're not being in control, really, once you recognize that, it's a little bit liberating too. You know, you don't have to beat yourself up so much when something doesn't work out because that's kind of the, what keeps it interesting and keeps you coming back. And I don't know that there's many things that you can say that about, you know, um, 
So I think everybody should be gardening because if they don't ever want to be bored, then they should be a gardener. Oh, there's always something to do. It, right. it, really, it gives you something to do and something to be proud of and you get out yeah. there. Yeah. And like, it's like you're, you're in charge of it, depending whether, like you said. <laughs> um, but uh, my husband and I had noticed the three compost bins. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, there's an idea. You have one that's ready, future, and then it just keeps circling back around. So that video's on there if people want to you know, look into composting a little more. But Right. And, and see, that's the thing. Composting, I'm a huge composter, I believe. Everybody should be composting because you're, you're taking what you would be throwing away and you're converting it into the best soil amendment to make your garden plants grow organically and naturally and without any artificial nutrients. And, um, they don't, I mean, it works if you just make one pile, but the problem with that is when is that pile ever finished? Because if you keep adding new things to the pile, well, part of that pile eventually cooks down and it's ready to be compost. But if you keep adding new stuff to the top of it and you blend it up, well, it's never really finished in, in its entirety. So that's why those three bins are really good. That first bin is to all the new stuff. The middle bin is the stuff in process. And the third bin is the stuff you added a long time ago that now is all rotted down, but it's ready to go. And you're not adding anything new to that pile. So it's usable and it works. It's a, it's a simple, super easy system. But, you know, somebody needs to sometimes show you just the basics of that. But, I mean, I... We all learn from each other, and especially through those mistakes. That's the other thing about a mistake. We should be making mistakes because that's how we really learn. We learn more from the things that don't go well than the things that do go well. But where we really help other gardeners is when we share those mistakes. Hey, this is what I did. This is what happened. And I figured out how to make it better. And then you just share all of that. And it's just it's a beautiful thing. Gardeners are good people, and they're very sharing, and they're very giving, and oh. usually pretty kind. I agree. I love that. We talk about, I teach kindergarten and we talk about all the time. We celebrate our little mistakes. I'm like, oh my gosh, you made a mistake. Your brain just grew. What'd we learn from that? (laughs) That sounds like such a kindergarten teacher. I love it. It's true. It's true. Well, you get down on yourself and you're going to give up. And that's not just children. That's adults. If you do, it's going to have the right mindset and that's, you know, gardening or anything you do in life. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Right. Oh, absolutely. With composting, I'm always really interested in composting. So for the listeners out there that maybe have not composted or they're not really mm-hmm. sure, obviously it makes you know the soil a little better. It might help the plants a bit, but do you have any advice for those or maybe what might get our listeners to think about considering composting? The benefit? Well, sure. Um, there are so many reasons to consider composting, but one of the things people always want to know is, well, how do I, how do I get great soil? How do I make my soil better? Because Another thing that I'm fond of saying, probably even more than the other thing, is feed the soil and let the soil feed the plants. You got to, like if you had a dollar to spend on your garden, you should spend 90 cents on getting your soil improved and 10 cents on the plants because everything that happens to the success of the plant is because of the health of the soil. And so one of the, the biggest thing that you can do to improve the health of the soil is add compost. And even though you can buy compost, it's never as good as the compost you make at home. And the stuff you make at home is free because you're just using your yard waste and your kitchen scraps and your shredded paper. And you're just literally putting it in a pile and letting it, let's just like in nature, compost happens in nature with no one doing anything. But what comes of that, these microbes, these, this fungi and this bacteria and these protozoa and all these small organisms that live in the soil or digesting all of that material in the process, they're creating nutrients that become available to the plant roots on demand. And you just can't buy that stuff. That's nature, but you can create it working with nature and that's compost once it cooks down. And the beauty of it is only, it just takes a little bit to go a long way. You don't need a lot of compost, just 5% by weight or 30% by volume is what they suggest. And you don't even need that much. But when you do that to your garden, amazing things happen. And then once you get a certain amount in your garden beds, it makes your soil looser. It it retains more water. It helps the water drain so it doesn't hold too much water. It's kind of the perfect balance. Um, It generates all this life that creates those nutrients for your plants. And I could go on and on about why everybody should be composting, not to mention that it keeps a lot of waste out of landfills, which is a whole nother story. But for our gardens, it's the, it's the one thing we can put in our gardens that will do more to benefit it than anything else. 
does it help, do you think, with the nutrients of the actual plant of what you're growing? Or does it, like, or does it affect taste at all? Well, um, I would say that the, the quality of the plant, based on the quality of the soil, which includes the compost, is going to make the plant more vigorous and productive and healthy, which is, which is going to have the right chemical makeup of the plant, so the right sugars, the right carbohydrates. And I would say certainly that's going to impact the flavor. And, um, and then, of course, when you're harvesting at the peak of freshness, it just it, you can't get it any better than when you're focusing on a natural way to grow that food and then harvesting it at the peak of freshness and knowing that the food you just harvested is clean. It doesn't have synthetic inputs and questionable products and no pesticides, but it's the soil. You know, you can throw junk food at the soil, like through synthetic fertilizers and the plant will grow. I mean, nutrients are nutrients, but you can, you can deliver them naturally through organic ways, or you can do it through man-made ways, but the man-made ways are just, it's like junk food. It's like if you're hungry and you eat a bag of potato chips, well, that satisfies your hunger pangs temporarily, but it does nothing for your health long-term. Compost is like a whole foods, healthy diet. It satisfies your hunger pangs and it gives you nutrition that improves your overall health. Well, that's what compost does to your soil health too. Yeah. So Joe, when I bring the food in from the garden, it's a different feeling. I feel really good about what I'm eating right? because I grew it. Yeah. There's no better feeling than that because you had control over that food from seed to harvest and you were the guardian of that food that you're feeding your family. So, I mean, as a parent, you know, we all want our kids to eat well, but when you can provide them healthy food that you grew yourself, so you know there wasn't any harmful inputs through the entire growing process that's a beautiful thing. And that's, I mean, if you didn't have enough reasons to want to grow your own food already, that alone should probably be your primary reason. So taking control over what we eat and the food that goes into our body and knowing that we're not putting any of those harmful chemicals in our body, that's fantastic. Well, it's funny you say that because as my husband's been trying to get me on this for years, you know, like gardening and things like that, I definitely became on board with children. Yeah, no, that'll change your life in a lot of ways. It does. And I'm like, oh, this is really important. And um, the <laughs> listeners know I had some major back issues like inflammation in the body. And I'm like, no, I'm not taking medication anymore. I really need to. I mean, I did have back surgery. That was beyond amazing. Wow. That was necessary. However, the problems, you you know, a surgery is not just going to fix everything that's going inside your body. It fixed my severe pain clearly. But right. that's when I really started looking into the food I was eating and not just eating fruits and vegetables, but where were these grown? And I'm still not there completely. It's a work in progress on my right. journey. But I understand the importance now. And as I'm looking back to my husband trying to get me to grow organic gardens and help him with the compost, and it's becoming very clear now to me through my health and just my children's. And it's becoming a way of life too. You know, it's your lifestyle and it becomes the norm, which is I just I wish that was the norm for everybody or for the majority of people and it's so far not the norm which goes back to why you know I want to reach people every which way I can is to you know plant the seed excuse the pun but really I mean inspire them however I can because once they discover it I think they can take off with it I'm just trying to get them to that point Well it is it's knowledge and it's power once they realize how important it is right. you can't unlearn that you right. know it. So as your child's eating, you know, that donut or whatever, it, it doesn't feel good to you, to the parent. It feels great to the no. kid. Yeah, the yeah. Parent, you're just like, okay, we got to work on that next, you know, and it's a work in progress and, you know, it's the world we live in, but it doesn't have to be like, you know, we can be in charge and take them out to the garden for those educational experiences and seeing where, you know, food comes from, not just a drive through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you have any great stories about um, gardening maybe with your children at all? Or were they out helping you? I mean, I know they're adults now and that's, you have to take that on for yourself once you're an adult, but. Well, I will say, I mean, the, the, probably the best gardening story I have with my children is very recent in like, like in real time today and through last year, my 19 year old now, Amy, um, I've been wanting them both to get into gardening at some point. And Rachel, my 21-year-old, she'll 
hope may hopefully get there, but just it's not her thing yet. But Amy, Amy, um, I'm not so sure that gardening was really what she enjoyed, but she enjoyed opportunities to make money. So I decided, okay, Amy, let's start a little business. We're going to start seeds, grow them out, and sell the seedlings, organically raised heirloom edibles at the farmer's market. Or we'll sell them from our farm and, you know, invite our neighbors and go on social media and have people come buy our plants. And she thought, okay, whatever. And, you know, she really didn't know if that would turn into anything. But I, I tend to go, I dive in with both feet and I'm kind of a perfectionist. So we ended up growing couple thousand seedlings and ended up with so many plants. And then we took them to the farmer's market and they, and she started seeing people actually paying for these seedlings It to her cost nothing. Um, and, uh, she made, you know, she made some good money that first year and that was just last year. And so here we are exactly a year later and we had our first farmer's market sale on Saturday. And again, we'll do it again this coming Saturday, but now we're bigger and better and we've got some signage and we just started our Facebook page and, uh, you know, we're starting to become a little, a real little business, but she is learning. The point of this story is I really believe it can become an actual occupation for her through horticulture to learn how to grow food and then not only sell the seedlings to people, but then grow out the food and sell the produce. And then we come into fall and you do fall seedlings and fall produce and it literally could be a whole business for her. But in the process, I'm getting her, I'm giving her more responsibility along the way. So last year was just little things. And this year it's a lot more stuff. And she's taking much more ownership in the process. So not only the gardening and the horticulture side, but the business side. And I'll be there to help her and hopefully just turn over the keys to her, hopefully sooner than later, and watch her run with it. But so that's my gardening story with her. Um And yeah, she loves making the money, but I hope that she's loving the process of growing the plants too. Oh, I'm sure she is. That that's interesting because my oldest is seven. You know, I still have little kids and little kids, and I teach kindergartens as you say, they're pretty easy to get excited about different things. Yeah. Yeah. Excited. It's yeah. And they would just want to be with you. So that that's the easy part, I think, getting them interested. But coming back to your teens or early twenties, that's not so easy. I, I don't know that yet personally, but you know. A lot of distractions at that point, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, and they want to pave their own way too. But you used your business background. Yeah. And then I said gardening. So that's a pretty. That's a good yeah. dad right there. I like that story. <laughs> we'll see. But so far, so good. And we have lots of plants out there that are, you know, looking really good right now. So I'm pretty, pretty optimistic. So, does she have anyone helping her besides you, or is this like her baby that she's kind of starting with the business? That's probably my baby that she's helping Your me with. Helping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I'm trying to make her realize this is our business and your business. And I just got to remind her that the money that we bring in from it is not for going out and eating sushi or something like that. It's for, as I told her, and as I tell everybody who wants to know, it's for college and car. So yeah. that's what we need to be doing with that money. So. Well, it's important. I mean, learning how to deal with money, that's a whole other conversation sometimes, is a big <laughs> deal. And that's, it's got to start because yeah. it, it, it's a tough lesson to learn. And it's funny, one of my questions was um, about the educational benefits of gardening. And you mm. just hit out a bunch just with that story with your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, think, you think about it, and, and you know this as well as anybody, when you introduce gardening into uh, especially an elementary or middle school curriculum, and all the tie-ins there through every academic discipline there is can be tied into gardening between the art and the math and the language and the science and everything can be taught in the garden. And that's why school gardens are so important. Uh, there's no shortage of opportunities for learning. Anything that a school curriculum needs to have taught to children can be done through a gardening lesson. And we just need gardens in every school and every child and student needs to take be active in the school's garden. I think I just got a little idea right there for myself as I'm listening to you. Good. But it's true. I love how you even brought the language part. Now it's so you can learn anything from gardening. Um, that language part is so important. It all is. But I'm just yeah. in home with my young um, students right now and my young children. It, it's a way that they can practice their skills, talking about something they're excited about. Yeah. They need that experience and the vocabulary. Well, it's tangible. 
Yeah, they had a they had a stake in it, and then you know the math. There's endless math opportunities out there with with growing and all gardening. But yeah, when they have when they have the opportunity to you know plant a seed and watch it come to life before their eyes, and know that they had a hand in that, and then you tie a lesson into that too every day. I mean, they'll they'll run to the garden to to learn, and th- and they won't even know they're learning. I mean, they're out there having a good time. And you're, you know, secretly filling in with all kinds of knowledge in a good way. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. They'll gladly write their observations down and maybe things like, oh, let's try this next. I'll write it down so we don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the writing piece. There you go. It's all coming together for me. I'll have to like keep these wheels turning and see how it goes. Right. Um, So that kind of leads into kind of the the community value that gardening come from. So that can happen actually in a school. And I'm kind of thinking if they're bringing that home from school, what they can talk about with their parents. Yes. I think even at home to show their interests. So why don't you talk a little bit about maybe the community value that gardening can have? Because I would think it would even get more people outside or more people talking and sharing is what I'm kind of envisioning. Well, I will tell you, I have put together a lot of community gardens around the country and in Canada and um, worked with kids in schools and learned about the interactions they have with their families and parents when they bring something home that they grew in class. And, and, and the enthusiasm is contagious from the gardener to that person that they're communicating with and taking a community garden, for example, or just a garden in a public space. When I was installing some community gardens for a company, I used to be the spokesperson for, we would go into a, a public park or a common area in that community. Maybe it was a housing project or something like that. And in one day we would install a beautiful raised bed garden that didn't exist you know, when people went off to work that morning, it was just the same flat piece of land they'd seen every day that they'd lived there. But when they came home from work, right before their eyes, it was a completely installed, planted out, raised bed community garden that was there for their access. And I, I just get goosebumps every time because this happened every single time. The people, because this was my favorite part of the whole thing, was watching the people coming home from work because we were all finished. And the looks on their face and how they just would, you know, normally they'd probably just walk into their apartment because they couldn't wait to get into theirs fast enough. But now they were just slowing down and they were barely moving and they were just in awe. And you just could, you could just feel the magnetic pull of them into the garden because they just wanted a part of that. They wanted to be a part of that. And there was this one guy one time, we'd finished the garden and um, I looked over and there was this guy just sitting on a bench looking over the garden and he was just, I could tell, I mean, he was so in awe by it and he was so at peace. And I, and I walked up to him and I just, you know, engaged him in conversation. And I found out that he was, he had recently moved to the U S from Africa and he had just, it's a sad story because he had witnessed a lot of, um, uh, annihilation of his family members. And it was just a really traumatic time in his life. And so he had all of this, he'd been, been through, and he came over here and he was in this garden and this guy was transformed. I mean, the, the calmness and the peace and to talk to him. And it was just the garden. The garden is what made, gave him that peace and that tranquility and that attachment to something. I, it's hard to explain it. You know, you kind of had to be there to, mm-hmm. to experience it. But I've seen that so much. And it's the garden that just makes strangers, friends and it and just draws people together as a neighbor and a community. And um, it's crazy how a garden can do that, but it does. And, you know, it's hard to explain why I, I get it. I mean, I, that's how I feel, but to witness it time and time and time again, wherever you are, and it doesn't mean it has to be in one state or one country, it's universal. And we just need more gardens and we need more gardeners and this whole world would be a better place. Well, it's that common ground that maybe strangers or I mean, you could, yeah. they could, could be neighbors, but strangers, I'm sure when you just rush in the house, because you get home and life takes you, it gives you that common ground to maybe connect with someone over where you wouldn't have had it before. Well, and, and like I said before, you know, you could be working, sharing a raised bed garden plot with somebody that you didn't even know a few minutes before. And they could be, like I said before, maybe the super wealthy person or a college professor 
gardening next to somebody that doesn't have two nickels to rub together and probably hasn't, you know, finished some level of school. And yet in the garden, they are equals. They're absolutely equals. And, um, it's so neat to witness that and, and how, you know, the garden just brings us together and neutralizes everything around us. And I just can't think of another opportunity like that. And just one more reason why we just need to find a way to get out in the garden and share that time with other people. Well, I'm such a people person. So I love hearing mm-hmm. these feel good stories of people coming together because I it think it just changes. Um, it sounds like it could change some people's outlook on life. Maybe they have someone now to talk to and they didn't before. Cause I always see um, people who are retired start taking up gardening. <laughs> they do. I see it every day, you know, in the Facebook group, when we ask people, you know, why do they want to join the group? Because we're curious is, but, but we hear that story. I just retired and now I have time to garden or I want to learn how to garden. I've always wanted to do it. I never had time. And now I do. And that's the other cool thing about gardening. Your kids at their young age are already gardeners, but there's a lot of people that are seniors and retiring that have never gardened and have always wanted to. And now they are, and they can. So you've got people that are senior citizens and people that are, you know, less than 10 years old and they're doing the same thing and they can do it together too, which is super cool. Oh, absolutely. My, my dad, he, um, he doesn't grow vegetables or fruits, but he loves his flowers and his plants and he'll be out there constantly checking on them, making sure they look really good. Absolutely. Whatever it is, I'm amazed. I'll look at a weed and be amazed at it. Just, you know, I don't care what it is. If it's growing, I'm in awe of it. Cause I just don't know how, how a little seed can turn into something, anything, and I don't care what it is. I love growing anything and everything, and I'm fascinated by it all. So I can get what your dad. I totally get it. Well, it's like just being back to that eight-year-old boy. And yeah, you feel that way. What can happen as a little kid? And yeah. now you're like this adult who sees it every day, but you're still in awe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, with with this podcast, we care a lot about where our food comes from and you know what we put in our bodies. And I think it's important for people to know where their food comes from. And it really right. is just that knowledge is power of getting it out there. Because like I said, even you would have talked to me five years ago with even some of the food and the way I'm trying to eat now, I think I would have laughed. Like, <laughs> oh no, I can't do that. Like seriously, I think I would have laughed at like whoever told me that I would be this into my food. But yeah. it's, like I said before, it's that knowledge mm-hmm. of what's important and, and the fun food can have. It's not just what I can have. I'm like, oh, it's what I can have with this beautiful food. I just showed um, this newspaper to my kindergartners the other day that had an array of colors of carrots. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you know what these are? Oh, like, no, gorgeous. carrots are orange. I'm like, they are orange, but guess what else they are? <laughs> yes. And like, oh, really? Yes, yes, so yes. We want we want people to know how important it is to care, you know, about their food. And in like the ways that I love you're on here is how much you talk about how it can also impact the environment mm-hmm. um, and our health and even local economies and bringing people together. So maybe why don't you talk about a little bit why it's important for you to know where your food comes from? Well, um, boy, that's a big thing. So, you know, I, yeah, no, I mean, but in a good way, I mean, it's changed my life too. Cause I, I, um, my diet is mostly a plant based, a plant based diet. So I, I do it um, for three reasons. I do it for my health. I do it for ethics, animal ethics, and I do it for the environment. And, uh, not to mention how awesome the food that you grow taste. I mean, it's amazing, you know, but, but when you, you know, you take advantage of whatever land you have and whether it's a balcony on your apartment, you can grow lettuce, you can grow spinach, you can grow leafy crops. You don't even need full sun. But if you have a pot and a little place to set it, you can buy some soil and grow your own food. And that's the start. But the more we do that, the less demand there is going back to the food miles that we we consume, buying that food that's been shipped from 1,500, 2,000 miles away, the less we're supporting companies that are producing toxic chemicals that go into the soil that are supposedly feeding our plants, but at the same time, they're destroying the organisms in the soil that really would feed the plants if we had, if they had a chance. Um, and then the pesticides and all of those things that just aren't necessary. So it's my little way on my little plot of land 
to take control over what I'm feeding my family and how we're sourcing that food by those decisions we make, by our actions and by our behaviors and um, not supporting those practices that we feel are unhealthy or unethical or um, bad for the environment. I love that answer. It's, I, I try to, I I usually do my um, podcast in my kitchen, but currently I don't have one. So here I am. (laughs) But in my last home where we moved from, I was in my kitchen and someone I was speaking to, he's like, yeah, like, just look behind you. I could see like your lettuce growing right above your cabinets right there. He's like, bring that behind my cabinets. I'm like, oh, I never thought about actually bringing it in my kitchen. Yeah. You don't have to have this big land. I think we think we need yep. all of this area to grow our own food. I, yeah, you don't. Bodies. <laughs> and that's one good thing. The industry has responded to that as well. You know, with, with urban gardening surging in popularity and, you know, people's lots getting smaller mm-hmm. and more people moving in town, they don't have the room that, that we used to have in suburbia anymore. And so plant breeders and developers are thinking of ways to create plants that don't get as big or uh, plants that don't need as much sun or whatever, but they're creating opportunities that didn't exist before to help bring in more gardeners. And I will say, and cause I've been at this now a long time, it's really exciting to see, especially with social media and Instagram specifically, all these new gardeners that are becoming so because of the pictures on Instagram and just everybody sharing that information. It's it's just so exciting to see so many new gardeners coming on board. I really feel like we are at a tipping point and it is becoming the thing, you know? And I think once you've discovered it, it stays with you, or at least that's my hope, but I do believe that. And um, so, you know, we have social media to thank in large part for a lot of that. And so, you know, I'm all for that. I agree. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I was hoping we we're kind of at the tipping point where I was starting to see changes. Mm-hmm. But then I was wondering, is it just because I'm paying more attention to it? Because this is newer for me. Yeah. Well, I've been paying attention to it for, you know, thir- 20 or 30 years. And right. um, I can tell you, it's never been like this. And that's awesome. That you is know, exciting. it's like, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, with my platform through national television and a top podcast and the social media sites, I have a big reach. But you know what? There are a lot of people on Instagram through at least social media that have a bigger reach than I do, which is fine with me. You know, we need as many mouthpieces as we can to spread the information and to inspire other people. So the more the merrier and and it's getting bigger every day. So I'm all for that. I'm glad all the information's out there because I really mm-hmm. think people will do more if they know better. Yeah. Now that said because of the ease of putting that information out there, it's not all good. You know, it's not all accurate. It's like, it's not necessarily true just because it's on the internet. It's true. It's not, you know, so you do have to uh, use some discernment in the people that you're following to know whether or not they really are providing credible information. And, uh, and there's some good ones out there, a lot of good ones out there. But the, the one thing I worry a little bit about is um, the people that are putting out information purported to be true and accurate and all of that. And it's not, but here's the beauty of social media because there's so many opportunities for people to chime in and, you know, call bunk on that. And they do, you know, so it's hard to get away with bad information anymore. So, um, that's a good thing. That is true. I'll read through comments a lot if I'm a little skeptical and I'll just go And if there are, I mean, if there's a handful of negative comments, you're like, okay, I need to look into this more because it's, it's either probably not true or they're just, you know, huffy about something. But I, I tend to listen more to people that are growing organically. Less is more to me at this point. And if someone is saying that too, I feel a little better at this point with, with my knowledge, since I'm still growing my knowledge, I kind of go with that. Less is more growing organically, you know, good for the environment. Yeah. And, And, they're truly out there to help you. That's what I've noticed. Like true, like you, you are just someone that's really out there and you want people to know more, to do better for them. I do. I want them to do better for them. And in turn, they're going to do better for nature and you know, the environment and just on and on. I, I see the long tail of that. And so I, I am a big encourager of that sort of thing. So what is your view of future farming or hope? Um, so 
Future farming? Yeah. Well, what I love is that I'm seeing a lot more young farmers getting into the industry, whereas before, you know, you had commercial farming. And so you had thousands of acres, which, you know, there's a need for that as well. But now we've got so many people that maybe are in their 20s who had, I mean, they went into college, they had professional degrees. Some of them are MDs, some of them are lawyers, engineers, accountants, who realized that that's not what they wanted to do for the rest of their life. And they got into farming organic farming on four to six acres, serving the, a community that lives within 40 miles of their produce. So they're cutting down on those food miles. They're building community in those areas where that food is grown and where that business has formed. And I had a young farmer one time, we did an episode called Young Farmers in our second season. And we were interviewing a lot of people that um, were good examples of young farmers. And one of the young ladies I was inter interviewing, she had a professional background prior to leaving that to be an apprentice as a young farmer, making like eight bucks an hour, working six days a week, up before the sun, in bed, way after the sun went down, and loving life. And I said, what is it about your job that you love so much? You know, and, and I just want to hear her answer because I could understand why she did. But she said, you know, in the morning, I get up, The it's still dark, but I can hear the birds singing and the dew is on the ground, and I'm out there walking amongst the flowers and the fresh vegetables, and I don't have to worry about being barefoot because there's no harmful chemicals there, and we're growing this food that we're going to serve to families on Saturdays that are going to come as a family to the market and buy the produce that we lovingly grew without chemicals, and they're going to take it home and cook it and eat it, and they're going to love it, and they're going to be healthier for it, and she went on like that. And then she summed it up by saying, and you know what? At the end of the day, there's just nothing wrong with that. And I thought, how true is that? At the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with that. So here's this person who wasn't making a lot of money, but was feeling really fulfilled in her service, in her career, that she was making a difference and having an impact and feeling good about it and loving every day that she went to work. And you know, there's, unfortunately, there's, that's the exception to the norm for most people that have a career. You know, they're not doing a job they're in love with. They're doing something that maybe has some controversy to it or, you know, in, in farming, especially when you do it organically, there isn't anything wrong with that. And you can feel good about it. And we don't have enough young farmers. We don't have enough people that are promoting agriculture in an environmentally responsible way. And it's hard work. And it is, it's probably the hardest work there is, or one of the hardest jobs there is. Um, and the, you know, the pay is not there. You don't do it for money. You do it more for a calling. Um, but I'm so thankful for those people because without them, um, you know, for those of us who aren't growing our own food and I, and I still support, you know, I don't grow everything I eat. And so I support those farmers that do grow the things that I'm not growing. So thank goodness they're out there and, uh, we need more of them and we need to support them. That's the other thing, you know, um, without an audience or customers, they can't really make that living and they don't make enough as it is. So when we have an opportunity to buy from a farmer's market or a farmer or support somebody that's growing it themselves and you doing it in an environmentally responsible way, we need to do that. And even if it's, we go to the grocery store, or the supermarket, and we have a choice between spending $2 for a head of lettuce that's organically grown versus $1 for a inorganically grown head of lettuce, you know, we really need to bite the bullet and support the grower that did that organically. And yes, it costs us a little bit more out of our pocket, but what does it gain when we eat something that's healthier, that ha doesn't have those chemicals on it? And that, you know, you think about the upstream impact of all the work, all the resources, all the people upstream from us who produce that organically grown head of lettuce. An extra dollar is a small price to pay for all the good that happened in the decisions they had to make to grow it that way for us. So, you know, it's a long tail and it's a small price for us to pay to help support that industry and that lifestyle because there's nothing but victory at the end of that. So, you know, it just, I hope we all heed that at some point in our lives sooner than later. Well, and that's a great place to start is the farmer's markets. Like maybe mm -hmm. you're not ready to garden yet. Yeah. Then go down to the farmer's market. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of a farmer's market. You know, pretty much these days, there's one in every city or town and um, you don't have to grow the food yourself, but somebody 
close by is growing it on your behalf. Uh, it's, it's reasonably priced and uh, you'll know whether or not they're growing it organically because they're going to say they are or they're not and they may or may not be certified organic but there are other ways to know and you know it's like know your farmer there's those bumper stickers know your farmer you should know your farmer and they should know you and you should support them you should have that kind of relationship with the people that you're 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 buying your food from to feed your family i mean that's an important relationship that's kind of like your doctor you know that's somebody that you're putting your life in their hands so to speak when you buy their their food that you're putting in your body. So farmers market is a really good place to start. Well, I'm we've done the farmers market. I would like to frequent it much more this summer. So I'm really excited about that. But what I'm changing up this year is I'm going to speak more to the farmer. I haven't done that. But after all these podcasts I'm having, I'm like, yeah. why haven't I been doing that? It's yeah. Like, ah. yeah. 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 All day. Have those yeah. conversations. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to you know, take my kids and we're going to talk about it. And I'm really excited for those experiences. And it's, just, it's a nice time out with the family too. So um, I do suggest that for all the listeners out there is start with your farmer's market if you're not quite ready to grow yourself yet, but you might get a little more excited to start on your own, maybe after frequently and becoming friends with the farmers down there. Well, you should make that farmer your friend. And also, you know, that farmer, he wants to grow what his customers want to buy. So he may not be thinking about growing kohlrabi, but you and who knows how many other people love kohlrabi. Who knew? But, you know, having that dialogue with them or just learning how he grows, but him learning about him or her learning about what you want to eat. Well, that way they're never going to run out of that or they're going to make sure that they're growing that for you. And so it's a, it's a very symbiotic relationship that we should embrace. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad that came up because I think that's something easy the listeners can take away today is farmer's market. Head out there and get to know your farmer and they're going to be more appreciative too. And you're going to love that food that's coming back that you're feeding yourself and or your family. Right. Um, Is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with today before we wrap up? You know, I would just say um, if we're talking about gardening or growing food Mm -hmm. or not growing food, just gardening. you know, a lot of people don't get into gardening because they never start, you know, and, and you don't have to have the perfect place. You don't have to know a lot yet. I mean, there's no reason not to start. If you've got a pot and a little bag of soil, you can plant a seed and you don't need a yard for that. But the miracle that emerges from that one seed in that one pot with that little bit of soil under your watch that's a transformative experience and too many people fail to take that first step. But I'm telling you the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And you know, I'm well on the way on my journey, but I'm so excited that I'm not at the finish line. I never will be, but I am thankful that, you know, maybe it wasn't planning to see, but it was sticking a broken branch into the ground. Same thing. It was transformative. And you know, it's the most exciting thing. So I would just tell your listeners, if they haven't gardened yet, don't wait for the perfect opportunity because that's never going to come. You just have to start and just stand back and watch the magic happen. And if you are a gardener, remember, there's, you're never going to, it's never, there's no perfection involved with gardening. That's a waste of time. Don't pursue perfection. Just try to learn and do a little bit more every year. And I think it just kind of takes over for you and you'll want to do more, but embrace the mistakes because they're not really mistakes, they're opportunities. So there. The first step's the hardest. I speak from experience. My husband had, like I said, had my husband not taken that first step, who knows what I would have done because I'm not sure if I would, but I'm thankful for him. Thankful for you (laughs) as we were first married watching you on TV. Right, right. getting started on our journey. Glad I could be there. Well, I, I laugh, I'm like, but, you know, I remember watching and I enjoyed it and my husband joined and we started our garden and yeah, it was important, but I'm thinking back to my journey now, how it's all kind of coming together. I love it. And I actually got to speak with you. So I'm honored and I'm so thankful <laughs> you came on. Well, so, I'm glad you asked. Real quick, where to find you if they want to look, look you up. Probably the best way is joegardener.com. So joegardener.com because it's got links to the podcast, the Joe Gardner show, which is, you know, very popular and people love it of all skill levels. You could be a professional horticulturalist or brand new gardener. And we get so many comments from people that say, 
I learned so much, you know, and this is people from both ends of the spectrum. And we, we strive for that every episode. So joegardner.com will be the place where you can get the podcast, how-to videos, um, blog posts. Uh, there's a lot of information there. And then the other, the one other place, and there's links to, there's links to the social media sites that way too. And, uh, you know, if you went to at Joe Gardner for Instagram or Twitter or the Joe Gardner Facebook group, Joe Gardner is the thing. If you remember that, uh, you'll probably get to the others. And then the television show is Growing a Greener World. So the website's growingagreenerworld.com. So just look, you'll find me. Yes. Amazing. Check it out. The website is very user-friendly, which is always a plus for me. And yes, there's lots of information there. So check out Joe Gardiner. But Joe, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I had a blast speaking with you. I did too. Thanks, Gary. I appreciate the opportunity. It was fun to talk to you. You too. All right. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. We'd like to remind our audience that the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Biteable or of our staff personally. The purpose of the Biteable podcast is to encourage spirited dialogue around topics like food, nutrition, animal and human welfare, and the food system. Part of having an open and spirited dialogue is accepting that others have views that are different than ours and working to understand how their experiences have differed from our own. We encourage all listeners to do their own research on any and all topics discussed during the show. That being said, we hope you enjoyed the podcast and thanks for listening.